Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. And it is the greatest Father's Day present I've ever got. I haven't seen her in many, many months. She drove down on her own. I had absolutely no idea. And it was completely and utterly thrilling for me. And I was so happy, you know. And then she cooked dinner last night and all of that. And it was great. And and you knew. We got the text you early knew. in the morning. And we were already planning to come over uh, yesterday afternoon to celebrate with you when you finished your selfish Father's Day on the golf. <laughs> <laughs> this is General George Washington. And you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. All righty then. Michael is here, six feet one inches away on Uncle Benny's table, and Tori Clark is here as well, as we try to reintegrate the show. Towards that end, we went to WMAL yesterday I to heard. look at a studio. Pretty nice studio. Beautiful studio. Yeah. Tori, warmly greeted by the dog this morning. Very warmly greeted. She's yeah. adorable. She is. A, Hope uh, you don't have allergies. Lovely big dog. And to that subject, from Lorena in Roseville, California. Dear Grandpa, I've never sent an email before, but since you asked for our input, here's mine. Please, please make the show more live, more in person, and more like it was before COVID. COVID turned the world on its head, and one thing we all miss was your live, energetic, smart, funny banter with your friends. Totally seriously, it's the best part of the show. The magic you have with people who are physically with you is irreplaceable and a major part of why we love the pod. Please bring back Gary, Chris, Jeannie, David, Tori. I really miss your banter with them. From Jeff in Fairfax, Virginia. You asked what we think of having people live like this. I can, without any fear of contradiction, confidently speak on behalf of the thousands of members of the Tony Kornheiser Laura Little's Facebook community and the hundreds of members of the subreddit This Show Stinks community when I say, please, for the love of all that is holy and right and good in the universe, please make the show more live, more in person, and more like it was before COVID. And this is, you know, this is what people are saying. He says, I know you don't do Snap, Tick, Insta, Twit, Face. Michael can explain what a subreddit is. It's just hundreds of fans. Leave it at that. What is a subreddit? Yeah, that's the perfect, perfect ex explanation. Okay. From Todd in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You solicited opinions on last Friday's show asking if we like live people in the studio with you. I will only speak for myself, and I would say 100% yes. I listen to the show because of you, but the voices around you are the cream to the coffee, the sun to the moon, the Laverne to the Shirley, the mold to your apartment. My landlord promised me had no mold. So please bring them all back. The show is made better by all of them, except Salizer or however you say it. We all know he's just waiting for the axe to fall at CNN and lining up his next couch to surf on. That was good. And one other from Chad Reuter in Madison, Wisconsin. It was great hearing Nigel at Uncle Benny's table. Hopefully you installed a board in the dining room to be set to zero when necessary. It was a great blessing to hear the show over the past 15 months, even without the usual cast of characters in the room. It truly helped those of us stuck in our homes without the personal interactions that we need to live our best lives. But bringing back Gary and Jeannie and Liz and Leon and David, Tori, and yes, even Salissa would be fantastic. It was great hearing them on occasion via phone, but the live interaction between the regulars is something that makes a show in whatever medium unlike any other. I'm sure Jim Nance would agree. Nice. So, live people, so much better than dead people, I think. Yes, just, you know, but I mean... qualification. Absolutely. It's, it's, well, you had to wait for everybody to be vaccinated. You had to wait for the scare to go down. You did, yeah. You know. But I, you know, the thing most people, the tragedy of, of COVID... The deaths and the illnesses, but the lack of interaction with other real people. So people are desperate for it, and it fills a real void. And you think they can hear the difference. You think they can hear the difference. Totally. I mean, we can yes. feel the difference. Yeah. I mean, even just going from having somebody on the phone with us to having them here. And, and I, I've not said this enough, but selfishly, I can't thank our audience enough for allowing me to sit at this table with you, because in those early months, that was the only real reason that I could justify 
coming over here and exposing, you know, our little orbit into your orbit. So thank you for bearing with me and thank you for allowing me to just have this one small space to check in on my dad and my mom. Yeah, so that was, nice. so yeah, so we're going to, we'll pro, I don't know when we will go back to a studio, but the studio they showed us was nice. Does Chessie get to come to the studio? Chessie does not get to come to the studio. <sighs> I think she's a great addition to <laughs> yeah, the show Well, maybe, maybe she does once in a while. It was well lit. It was a little bit bigger than the last one. It just, seeing, how, seeing how well lit this studio was reminded you of what we were going through in those you know six months we were in the little one. I liked the little one. I liked being I thought elbow it was okay. to elbow. I thought it was okay. This is a little bit better. Somebody send, People send me things, and I get them well, occasionally. You, you ask for things. I know, but yet, well, I didn't ask oh, for this. Oh, you found the mail pile at the studio. Yeah, there was a mail pile at the studio, is which I gave to Nigel. No, no, th these are, this is different. I'm going to read this. This is this book came to my house, Hollywood Eden by Joel Selvin. I don't know anything about it. This is the accompanying letter. Hello, Tony and Michael. Oh no, this is not the accompanying letter. This is the accompanying letter. Inside the book. Inside the book. Imagine Dear that. TK Stack Money. I've been consuming your words since you arrived in DC around nineteen eighty. At that time I was a Washington Post paper boy. And I read only the post sports section as well as the comics. Since then I remember seeing you on TV at a Georgetown sports bar. That's true. Redskins Saturday Night, on George Michael's shows, and of course on ESPN. And since the beginning, I've been happily listening to you on radio with Andy Poley. And now the podcast, thanks to Michael and Nigel and Gary and Chris and Tori and David and Gene et al. for the laughs and information for life. I graduated from DeMatha one year ahead of David Aldridge. But since I do not ever remember meeting him there, unlike Danny Ferry, for example, I never had my own David Aldridge moment with David Aldridge. That was probably because all those graduating one year after us were derisively and dismissively called juniors. Maybe you have known such a person in your life. Anyway, after reading the enclosed book, I thought of you. It's about the very interesting history of some of your favorite music makers from the early 1960s. Of course, with your deep knowledge of such already, perhaps you will not find it so stimulating. But since it's the thought that counts, I've sent it in in appreciation for all that I've learned and enjoyed from you and your mates. With much gratitude, this is from Tom Hackett in Greenbelt, Maryland. It's a, it's a real book. Um, Hollywood Eden. And the subhead is electric guitars, fast cars, and the myth of the California paradise, which is a, a mythology that I understand very well because I drove out to California when I was in college because of that particular yeah, you mythology. Slept in, slept in a tub. I slept in a tub. I did. So I'm grateful for that book. <laughs> Not now even a jacuzzi tub. There's something else. A this tub says, tub. hello, Tony and Michael. Enclosed is a lithograph from the artist Peter O'Neill, which I purchased on a recent trip from my home in South Atlanta to the amazing city of New Orleans. Tori, it is an amazing city. So you've been it's in New Orleans a lot. fabulous city. Please accept it as a thank you for the years of entertainment and laughs, as well as the occasional thrill of having one of my emails mentioned or read on the air. While most associate New Orleans with the raucous Bourbon Street, those in search of a little more culture would do well to visit the oft-times underappreciated. And it is written Royal Street, but I think it's Royale. I think they pronounce it Royale in New Orleans, so I'm going to do that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. A haven for great artists that sits just one block over. In a one-mile stretch, you can find more than a dozen galleries, raising from the highest of high ends, we're talking Picasso and Dolly, to the upstart local artist that will gladly sell you something beautiful for under 50 bucks. Royale Street also features antique stores and artisans of everything from blown glass to soap, and they all seem to ply their wares with a humble hospitality that is increasingly rare in today's world. The pandemic year of 2020 swallowed up so many joyous celebrations and anniversaries, but a more somber one than that was largely forgotten was the 15th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, which I remember well because that was the first Monday night football game we ever did. It is amazing to think how far New Orleans has come since those dark times. A mere stroll through the French Quarter today is a testament to the powers of human and perhaps even more so American resilience. As many of your listeners plan their first trips in over a year, I hope they will consider a visit to this amazing city. He doesn't even live there. He's from Atlanta. We as taxpayers invested in a rebuild a decade and a half ago. 
And history has proved it the wise decision. Now with the pandemic, many NOLA businesses and artists are again fighting to survive. We should join them in that fight for a while. They may be a source of rivalry to my city during football season. They're a source of pride to our southern hearts year-round. And it's from Matt in Atlanta, which is, it's just the nicest letter. It's so well-written. And now I'm going to show you this because I liked it so much. And I thought if I gave it to Michael, he might like it. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's lovely. It's father and a son. The father is shot from the waist down. The son is shot in, its, in his entirety. It's not shot. I mean, it's, it's a painting. Um, I assume it's, it's a painting. Fra- but it's, it's framed. It's framed. framed. And the yeah. little boy is, is holding a golf club, which reminds me of me and Michael, but I'm sure would remind Michael of Michael and the baby boy Bootsy. So this is making nice. me tear up because there's a photo of us walking on the beach where I'm wearing the sweater and it's from behind. And I've recreated that picture every opportunity I can with our two boys. My, my fav- favorite one is we went out to the beach about three years ago and we walked on the beach on a surprise snowstorm. And that's what I have, Ooh, I have cool. in our bedroom. Would you take this? I would love that. Nice. Tori, you Going may pass it over. It's going to go straight to the basement. Right. Okay, recommendation. If you have not listened to the 30 for 30 on Katrina and the Superdome. I, I should, think I'm in that. It's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's I might a be really, that. really How remarkable loud was piece. it in there? It was um, the loudest sound I ever heard in sports was, yeah. was when New Orleans reopened the Dome and Atlanta came in and New Orleans won by 10,000 points. And it was just, it, it was absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. We used to do New Orleans games every year, a New Orleans game. Uh, one of the reasons was the former commissioner, not Roger Goodell, but Paul Tagliabue loves New Orleans, yeah. loves Zydeco music, yeah. uh, and and wanted to make sure that the Benson family did not move that team out and go to San Antonio, as was rumored at the time. And so he made sure that Monday night was there at least once a year, every, every year, every single year. Yeah. Now, New Orleans has good teams now, but they prior to Katrina, they had terrible teams, and that was Tagliabue's... Uh, dictum, and I, I, you know, I think it worked very well. Do we have time for a quick New Orleans story? Yes, indeed. 1988 Republican convention in New Orleans. I was working for John McCain and working for the campaign at the time. Very, very busy, working, 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 working the whole week. It's the last night the convention's over, and I'm ticked off because I have not really seen New Orleans. So I grabbed my new friend Mark Salter, who turned out to be a great speechwriter for John, and we're sitting at a bar in the Hyatt or something gross like that, and we're talking to the bartender and said, "Okay, we want really, really great music and dancing." He gives us an address of a place, and he goes, just go hop in a cab. So we hop in a cab, drive out of New Orleans for 45 minutes. Oh, wow. Really far. Great, fabulous place. If the Neville brothers weren't there, their twins were there. And we are just dancing up a storm, having a great time, drinking all sorts of stuff. 4.30 in the morning, I realize, oh, my God, McCain's got hit on the Today Show at 7.10. <laughs> yeah, I better Jackson get Square, is that what it's called? Jackson right? Square, indeed. And I think to myself. That's where the beignets are. Yes. He cannot possibly do this hit without me there, his press secretary. Ridiculous. And so I grab Mark, so we got to go. We are among the last people to leave this place. We head outside in the middle of nowhere, shockingly no cabs. Really? Shocking. Amazing. Yeah. Shocking. So you bought a car, I hope. No, I grabbed Mark. I said, we got to run. So we start, it was like Nigel yesterday running around the neighborhood. <laughs> we start running down the street. We think in the direction of downtown New Orleans, a cop car comes by and goes, what the hell are you people doing? And I said, we got to get into it. And he just waves his hand and drives on, stops, circles back and says, you know what? If I don't give you guys a ride, I'm going to pick you up dead. Let's go. <laughs> he drove us back in. That's so nice. By this time, it's 5.30 or 6. And the attire was a very short white denim skirt. Rip sweatshirts, because that was a big yeah. thing at the time. Remember that? Rip sweatshirts, like flash dance kind of thing. 
long hair, makeup has completely melted, you know, streaks of mascara going down my face. And that's how I showed up at Jackson Square for John McCain's hit. But I was there, damn it. Good for you. Yeah, I was That's there. a good story. I might have been throwing up in the bushes behind the set. I'm not sure. but That's yeah. a good story. Uh, can I mention Brooke Forty did make the Olympic team? Yay. So we're yes. happy for that. Yep. Much congratulations to the family. Can I mention that, that I'm Sunday is the saddest day of the year because it's, it's the longest day of the year, which means all the days get shorter from now yeah. on. As we go from now to December 21st, from the summer solstice to the yeah. winter solstice, everything gets shorter. Um, so sad summer solstice, S-S-S-S. And because we took so much time in the intro... Sorry. Sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. I can't tell you how much I hate Comcast and why uh, for destroying, <laughs> destroying my ability to make money uh, yesterday and, and maybe not today, but... For choosing to turn off the internet at yeah seven thirty, why? And were they were there at six? So I did. I did talk to a couple of the engineers who who are contracted by Comcast. They don't work by for Comcast. They're contracted. Their company's contracted. And I said, you know, what are, what are you doing? You're just shutting off uh, the Wi-Fi, and people can't make money. They can't work. I mean, I have dedicated Comcast business line. It's useless to me. You shut it down. I said, yeah. Well, we only have this two hour window when we can do this. And I said, okay, but why don't you tell the people on the street? Why don't you use a flyer or something? Why don't you say this is what's going to happen? They go, look, don't talk to us. Talk to Comcast. And I sat there and I thought, well, what do I do? Do I call Mr. or Mrs. Comcast? Do I say, <laughs> hey, it, like in World War II, throw the flyers down so that people understand that for the next two days or three days or whatever it is, they're not going to have this for these particular hours. Because I don't get a rebate, and I know that you used to work for Comcast, and I don't hate Comcast. Can we just thank Jesus that I no longer work right. for Comcast? Because we've I, been a really unpleasant Well, I'm just going to say this. I, I spend about $300 a month on, on all the cable stuff here, yeah, check and about $160 a month on all the cable stuff out in Delaware, and nobody ever says to me, you know, we, we shut down your ability to make money, so here's a rebate. Now, next month's bill is going to be another 50 bucks. You're going to get some new, you know, new box in a different room you don't even have. You know, so it's... Anyway, we seem to have gotten through it so far today, knock on wood, and we will be back um, with Brian Windhorse when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a new ad for us. This is the Freshly ad. Oh, yes. I have had this food. I will talk about it in a second. Dinner time can be chaotic, but with Freshly, it's easy. Their chefs take care of your meals a few nights a week and take the pressure off you. You're stressed, you're tired, don't feel like cooking. Food that's fast doesn't have to be fast food. Freshly offers quality meals without the hard work of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. Freshly offers chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door, no cooking required. Grocery shopping and cooking can be a pain, especially now. And with Freshly, you don't, <clears throat> you don't have to do that. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week so you can keep your fridge stocked and skip the trip to the store. Ordering is easy. Visit Freshly.com and choose from over 30 delicious, satisfying, better-for-you meals like steak, pe steak peppercorn, sausage-baked penne. We had or, that. Or their chicken the pesto bowl. How was it for you? Fantastic. So I, I was sneaking bites of the sausage and the spinach. Okay. Your meals are always delivered fresh, never frozen. They're ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. With new meals added each week, Freshly brings the convenience of chef-made, nutritionist-designed classics right to your kitchen. I had a bunch of these. The ones that I will recommend most highly were the chicken dishes. I really liked the chicken dishes. They came, you know, one of them came with pasta. One of them came with green beans. You know, I, I, it's, I, I, got, I got the sense they were portion controlled. 
they were well made um, and and they were healthy. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't ordering the old time Swanson TV dinner where everything was breaded. As much as I loved it, everything was breaded. That couldn't be that good for you. Even even the dessert was breaded. Everything was breaded. So, you know, were you going to say something? No, I was just going to say still had enough of the good stuff in it. So even though you were eating something portion control, you wanted to eat what's in the. I did. No, I ate it. I ate it to the end. Absolutely to the end. I'm going to experiment with my micro settings. Okay. My micro wave. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash Tony K. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash Tony K for $40 off your first two orders. That's Freshly.com slash Tony K for $40 off your first two orders. And use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Carol King. Chip Robinson sends this in. He says, as a longtime listener who has been irrationally delighted to have emails read on this dopey show several times, I can honestly say I've never been more excited than I am to introduce you to Hannah Burton's music. I first heard Hannah sing and play when she was 14-year-old, playing alongside her parents in the worship band at our church. I remember marveling at how such a mature, soulful, beautiful voice could come out of a young girl. Fast forward four years. Hannah just finished her freshman year at Belmont in Nashville, majoring in songwriting. Didn't know you could do that. I know you've had music submitted recently by students at Berkeley and other snooty Subaru-driving music conservatories, but Belmont makes the tournament regularly for Mr. Tony. Great music education and quality D1 sports. Eat it, Juilliard. And this is Hannah Burton. It's called Everything You Do. The talent level stuns me every time. They're always like 16, 17, 18 years old. They're fantastic talents. She plays in Brian Windhorst, um, and so we can do our NBA preview or NBA playoff preview or NBA playoff review or something like that. The, the thing, Brian, that, that stands out to me is that all four teams that are still alive clinched the next round on an away court. I, maybe that's been done before. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that statistically it matters, but I found it really remarkable and i think the first question to ask you and i hope you agree with me and if not we'll just move on to a different part of the interview what was the most like surprising result to you in the second round Uh, i'd like to say atlanta uh because obviously the nets were upset but but they had injuries yes so atlanta i mean atlanta is a number five seed yes and atlanta is a team that has very little playoff experience. I don't think any of their starters have appreciable playoff experience. And they go into Philadelphia in game seven and their star player, Trey Young, shoots five of 23. Yeah, it's a terrible uh, game. Yeah. We could argue who their second best player is, but I think Bogdan Bogdanovich is a, an argument. He gets, he's got a, a bum leg, shoots two of eight, and shuts it down the second half, can't finish. Uh, and they win that game. Um, that is a, uh, you know, that's an all time, right? I I remember like in 2016, when the Cavs won game seven of the finals in golden state teams on the road in game sevens were like, were like a a 10, 10 or 12% all time. It was almost overwhelmingly. So since that time, we've seen a handful of this happen, but the, 
bizarre circumstances of Atlanta pulling this out. And by the way, they've won five road games in the playoffs. This is a huge number for any team in history in two rounds. For a team that has no playoff experience, um, it's an amazing number. So I have to say they are, in what's been a year of surprises, they are a leading surprise right now. Good. Then we agree on that, and that allows me to just go in, this, in the order that I prepared these questions. Because <laughs> the next question is, poor Doc. Doc Rivers loses in Game 7 all the time. All the time. Sometimes he's been up 3-1 and loses in Game 7. But he loses in Game 7 all the time. What does it mean? Would they fire Doc Rivers? They fired Brian Brown. Was that his name? Would they fire Doc Rivers? It's a bad week for Doc Rivers, Tony, because, you know, earlier this week, Tyron Lue gets, you know, the Sixers or the, uh, the Clippers in this remarkable in. comeback. Yep. And, and what's everybody in the Clipperland saying? Well, last year they got up 3-1 and, you know, let go of the rope and completely made no adjustments. And this year Ty Lue threw everything in the kitchen sink and it worked and they advanced. Boy, aren't they glad they have Ty Lue, which is code for aren't they glad they got rid of Doc? And then this happens. And the thing about it is I realized that Joel Embiid was uh, limited because of that knee. But if you watched him play, he was playing at a very high level. And so there is no excuse. Um, and, you know, just from a straight X and O standpoint, um, Tobias Harris and Seth Curry are two very good players. Are they going to be Hall of Famers? No, but they're very good players. And in the last round against the Wizards, when Joel went down, Doc went to those two guys and said, we're going to run a two-man gig because he couldn't go to Ben Simmons, right? So he goes right. to those two guys, and they were great. They carried them out of that series. Not that Washington was destined for greatness, but Washington did win game four and, and was having hopes of a comeback. And it was almost like he forgot that those two players were in the playbook. We're, we're watching this team come down the stretch of a game seven, and he's running nothing for them. And I'm wondering, Tony, what's he doing in these timeouts? It's not quite as bad as the Mike Budenholzer timeout that will f he, he was saved from goat horns for a long time by Kevin Durant being one inch inside the three-point line because That's right, right made it a that, two. Yep. Brooke Lopez came out of a timeout without knowing that there was only two seconds on the shot clock, which I absolutely cannot believe. Um, and that will be lost to history, and those guys are damn lucky, but that's a digression. As I'm watching this game go down, I'm like, what about your other, your other guys who got you the number one seed? They didn't get the number one seed just going to Joel Embiid. And that's what happened last year in the, in, in the bubble when the Clippers were just melting out there. You're like, why won't they do something? And you got the same sensation. Why won't the Sixers do something? Why won't they fight? Why is there nothing coming? And, you know, what are you going to say? Doc Rivers was at the sideline both times. So you can't fire the GM because he got there after Doc, and he didn't put the team together. And I'm not saying you fire Doc, because I like Doc. Everybody likes Doc. So now it's all landed on Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons, you know, now everybody wants to trade him immediately. Well, you're not going to get anything for Ben Simmons near what Ben Simmons is worth if Ben Simmons could go to a psychologist, if he could learn how to shoot foul shots, if he could shoot 70% from the line 
all of this goes away because then he's not reluctant in the fourth quarter to take any shots. He's a useless player on offense in the fourth quarter, and you can't have that, right? Not in the playoffs. I mean, I'd like to say to you that useless is too strong of a word, but I don't think you're Mm. wrong. Um, Mm. And so you, you, you summed up their conundrum perfectly. Ben Simmons could be traded, absolutely. I, I think if they put Ben Simmons yeah. in the market, they would get 10 offers. There's a bunch of teams who really would want him. But yeah, but they're not what he's pay. worth. Right, yeah. they're not paying the premium. And the reason they're not paying the premium is because, yeah, if I'm in 14th place and I get Ben Simmons, he may help me get to be a fifth-place team, and that would be something I'm worth paying for. But he's not going to get me to be a first-place team. And so, I don't, so it's a conundrum, and here's what makes, might, might break the conundrum. Joel Embiid is due for contract extension this summer. He is qualified to sign what they call the Supermax, five years, $230 million. It's a huge investment. Uh, I don't see how Philly doesn't offer him the deal. They may try to get some protection on injuries in there, um, but we'll see how that goes. But as you know, when you sit down with your franchise player to discuss a contract extension, you're going to discuss the state of the team. And when Daryl Morey ran the Houston Rockets, he, he, you know, James Harden, you know, had his hand, maybe not on the joystick, but certainly in the co-pilot seat. Daryl Morey allowed Harden to have input. And uh, I suspect that Joel Embiid and Daryl Morey's first job since he got there is to get Joel uh, on on his good side. And he has done that. They have a very close relationship. And so this, this, this sale may, may get resolved that Joel goes in there and says, look, I'm going to sign, but I'm not signing up for five more years of trying to make this work. I don't care if we get a lesser package. We've got to move on. That could happen, and that's what we're going to be watching for. Okay. Let me go to the Nets, who were done in by injuries. I mean, Durant was great, obviously. Harden was slowed. He wasn't what he was, and Kyrie Irving didn't post the last two or three games. My only real question here is, at what point, if you think this is possible, Kyrie Irving will go to management and demand that Steve Nash be fired? <laughs> I thought Steve Nash did a good job. Um, you know, and I, I think that had, had Kyrie not landed on Giannis's foot, even with uh, Harden dragging that leg, you know, yeah. come on, this went to overtime in Game 7. The Nets would be in the conference finals with home court sure. advantage. Oh, if the three uh, of them play, they're the best team in basketball. There's no yeah. question about that. And you know, also, don't forget Spencer Dinwiddie wasn't there. I know he hasn't been there in six months, so it's easy to forget about him. But if the Nets have Spencer Dinwiddie, they win this series. I'm pretty confident of that. So I think what you do, you know, sometimes, Tony, I, I, I compare uh, basketball uh, you know, season sometimes to poker hands. Sometimes you have a really good hand. You're holding a couple of aces, and you play all the cards right, and things don't go your way, and you get them cracked. Pat Riley kind of taught me this. He didn't use the poker analogy, but, you know, he had the right. same teams, you know, in L.A. that he kept coming back. And, like, some years, the Rockets got him. Some years, the Celtics got him. But he wasn't telling uh, Magic Johnson and James Worthy or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, get out of here. He was saying, okay, let's make a little adjustment and go back to the, to the game. And so I think, you know, as hard as that is to say right now, I think you, you hold the hand that you just had and you get back in the game Next summer, you have or next year, you have some adjustments you want to make, but you bring back the same core team and you get health, you may have the trophy. And I think that's really what the Nets, uh, you know, need to focus on. So you don't think Kyrie will be an agitator and, and will try and get rid of Nash, honestly? I, I mean, why do you think he doesn't like Nash? 
Because he said when Nash was appointed that we're really the coaches and we don't really need a coach. Yes, but that would be, first off, Kyrie day-to-day is all over the place. And I think anybody who's on this team uh, is like, let's get Kyrie out on the court and we'll play basketball. And then when he gets off the court, just sort of let him go. Just, you know, whatever <laughs> okay. you got to do, Kyrie. Uh, that, you know, if they had Red Auerbach in there, he might say that. And Red Auerbach would probably realize when Kyrie steps off the, the line, I'm not going to listen to what he says. But when he gets on the line, he's going to do it and we're going to be okay. All right, let me, let me get out of this thing and go to something else that interests me enormously. Chris Paul, does he in fact have COVID? He or do you expect to see him in the second? He does. Uh, well, do. how does he have it? If yeah. he was vaccinated, how does he have it? Because, uh, because he wasn't vaccinated? As far as I know, he was vaccinated in February with Pfizer. That's okay. what I was told. Right. Um, okay. But, you know, he has a break, what they call a breakthrough infection. Um, could happen to anybody who's vaccinated. Now, from what I also understand, he has very light symptoms or asymptomatic. So I would say, not being a doctor, that the vaccine did its job, that he contracted the virus and he is okay and he's going to be fine and he is, you know, not going to be sick or have to go to the hospital or, or have serious uh, s- symptoms. So right. the vaccine Good. works. But, but the thing about it is, is if, if you can still get infected, w- even if you have the vaccine, that means you can't have an infected person around your basketball team. You have an outbreak and, and, and your season's over. So he has to be sidelined for 10 days or until he has two negative tests. And he clearly hasn't had two negative tests yet. And Tony, if you looked at the players who, who came down with COVID during the year, and there was a handful of very severe cases, not very severe, but serious cases, Jason Tatum being maybe at the top of that list. And there was dozens of very, very minor cases, but almost all players who tested positive for COVID were out about two weeks because it was just hard to get back-to-back negative tests before 10 to 14 days. So if Chris Paul is indeed totally asymptomatic, which has been reported, I haven't been told that, that's been reported, that he's looking at a 10-day situation. He was he tested positive last Monday. You can use your fingers. He's looking at, you know, today would be like day eight or day nine. Right. It ain't going to be enough to play in game two. But if he has no symptoms, he should be able to play in theory in game in game three. three. Now, maybe he had a sore throat for two days, and the symptom clock didn't start till last Wednesday. I don't know that, um, but that all affects it. But if you go back and look at the regular season, people missed most of them missed two weeks, maybe twelve days. So the difference between ten and twelve days here is the difference between missing two games and three games. So. Um, you know, but that's what. But that is, from what I understand, is what happened. And the the NBA, without a hundred percent vaccination, has got to protect its players, and that's why they test them every day, even when they're vaccinated. I would say that if you lose Chris Paul from Phoenix, which is an enormous loss because of leadership, but you lose Kawhi Leonard from the Clippers, which is an enormous loss because he's the best player on the court whenever he gets on the court, unless Durant is playing. Then I, I mean, that's a, that's that's even, isn't it? That's an even deal if you lose them both. Yes, but Chris Paul, we have a good feel, is going to come back, and he may have at a hundred percent. Yeah, he'll, he'll come. Challenges, but his knees are going to be working. You know, right? Um, so, so the, the Suns, the Suns actually benefited Tony <laughs> that ESPN has the Western Conference Finals this year, and here's why: ESPN, or it was on ABC, 
was guaranteed contractually a Sunday afternoon game for their Sunday afternoon audience. Okay. And some years, uh, that is the Eastern conference series. And, and so if, 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 if ESPN had the East, they would have televised Philadelphia Atlanta game seven on Sunday afternoon. I know this is in the weeds, but it matters. But because this year, because TNT and ESPN flopped back and forth with East and West Conference Finals, that Sunday afternoon game had to be game one, and it couldn't be Sunday night. It had to be Sunday afternoon. And as a result, the L.A. Clippers, after winning that grueling series with the Jazz, had 36 hours between series. And I believe that the fatigue played a factor there. And so while the Suns get a bit of bad fortune that um, – that Chris Paul goes out with this uh, COVID uh, positive situation, um, they get good fortune and that the Clippers have this quick turnaround and they're able to jump on. I do believe yeah. fatigue played a role. They get a, get a jump on them. Look at Milwaukee. Milwaukee doesn't play till tomorrow. They don't play till tomorrow. They, you know, they, they get all these days off because TNT, <laughs> you know, had the East, the East playoffs. And so they have Atlanta, uh, you know, the Atlanta uh, Philly game seven and they, you know, the lottery is locked into today and the lottery is on ESPN. So the lottery is always going to be before one of ESPN's games. So here we have the Western conference playing two games before the East. I know that's way in the week, yeah. but that matters. No, but... And, and the sun's getting a victory without Chris Paul is almost worth a win and a half. I agree with that. I do. Thank you for getting up early and doing this and we'll talk soon. I appreciate it. I'm Thank you, Brian. Up, Thank you. Brian Windhorst. He's just great. He's just great. Uh, we will take a break. News when we return. We'll talk about the NCAAs, and if there's any room after that, apparently Nigel has some story about a bear somewhere. I'm Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. Summer begins this month. You know what that means. It's time to save on life insurance. That way you'll have a bigger budget for summer things like pool floats and hard seltzers. Between Father's Day, Flag Day, and National Yo-Yo Day, the month of June has a lot going on. Thankfully, Policy Genius makes it easy to cross life insurance off your list so you can get back to yo-yoing. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why would you do that? Because you can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year, kids, on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not for the insurance companies, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. Head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need. You can compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and the scheduling for free, and they never sell your information to other companies. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Jelani Kelly, who writes, I've been a viewer of PTI for countless years. I recently found the podcast during the pandemic. What a treasure this podcast is and is now a part of my regular listening. I want to share it. I want to share with you the music of my sister-in-law. Her name is Gavin Turek. She's a singer and songwriter. She's very excited to be back doing performances in person as the country's opening up. Please enjoy her latest single, Slide. And again, thank you for creating this opportunity for independent artists to share their music with the world. This is Gavin Turek. Michael, if people like Gavin Turek want to send us their original music, 
How do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. And you can listen to this stuff this without us great. talking over it. Yeah, it's great. All the music we have is great. And it's free for us because if we played old music, it would cost thousands of dollars every single day, which we're not going to do. Before we get into the news segment, I just wanted to read this. Hi, Tony. It's your favorite PTI Cliffy, Jared Baby Lenardi Cotler. Baby Lenardi must mean that he looked like Joe Lenardi and he wore, you know, a turtleneck every day or something. Feels like just yesterday I was a young kid throwing a Yukon basketball stat your way in the newsroom. Well, believe it or not, I'm getting married. We've had to postpone our wedding twice already because of COVID and hoping the third time's the charm on October 30th, 2021. Just wanted to let you know I've stayed loyal to you and the TK brand. I'm in the process of ordering my Indochino suit using the promo code. I'm now trying to convince my fiance that we need to add a $300 toaster to our wedding registry. Absolutely, you have to do that. In case you forgot, I'm up in Connecticut now. Maybe you can parlay a weekend in Bristol into a wedding appearance. Maybe with a kickback from Indochino, you can even send a revolution toaster our way. Stay well and thanks for everything. Too bad you weren't doing the pod back when I was with you. Congratulations to Jared and good luck on his marriage. October 30th. Nice Halloween theme for that. How are you on, on 300 bucks for a toaster? I'm not a toaster person. See, I just couldn't. I'll spend 300 bucks on an appliance for sure. Right, but right. I'm just not a big bread eater, so that wouldn't work for me. Okay. But you don't find it, like, repulsive. In your world, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure. I want to make but you sure. dropped it on, like, a blender? Maybe. Okay. I'm Maybe, just trying to think, you where, know, halfway, where would you, where well, would you see through, that money working towards an appliance? I don't think I paid $300, but halfway through the pandemic, we realized that it was critically important that we get a supersonic blender that could crush ice. Oh. Right. Yeah. And so that, that was probably dropped to 100 bucks. So, but I'm saying, if it, uh, the whole thing about the toaster, and I'm totally in favor of the Revolution toaster, yeah. but the whole thing Absolutely. about it is... If you can get a toaster for 20 bucks or 40 bucks or 60 bucks and a real high-end toaster is 80 bucks, how can you spend 300 for it? And my position is, well, of course you can. Just don't buy that other $300 thing you were going to buy that you would get yeah. rid of in an hour and a half. It doesn't, yes, you know, absolutely. I know people who will drop make 300, choices. 300 bucks on a bottle of wine. Yeah, sure. And if you t we talked to Michael Sands. Sure. Talk to Michael Sands. Um, our friends out in Sperryville have a brewery. During the pandemic, people spent more money on things on like they'd buy a, a nicer quality bottle of vodka or a nicer bottle of wine. Hundred percent, because they say to themselves, "Oh, we're not traveling, we're not going out to restaurants, so let's get that expensive bottle of wine." Yeah, and that makes all the sense in the world. Nigel, yeah. why don't you do the news? Thank you, Mr. Tony. Uh, big ruling. Oh, Nigel, 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 Nigel. Slow it down. Slow it down and lower the volume. <laughs> My God, you just you just you sounded right. like you know a guy doing like Gary Owens doing Saturday Night Live. And maybe decaf night. Yeah. How, okay. how about this? Is this better? That's better. Like this? Better, a little bit better, right. a little bit better. Yes. Big, big ruling by your Supreme Court yesterday. Uh, nine nothing. Cutting. Yes. Nine nothing. nothing. Yeah, it was a shutout. Yes. Um, it upheld a district court judge's decision that the NCAA was violating antitrust law by placing limits on the education-related benefits that schools could provide athletes. The decision now allows schools to provide the athletes with unlimited compensation as long as it in some way is connected to their education. It also opens the door for future legal challenges that could deal a much more significant blow to the NCAA's uh, current business model. Okay. So uh, let me just start to talk for a second. Because Sally Jenkins is so happy because Sally hates the NCAA <laughs> like nobody has ever hated anything. So Sally is really happy with this. When you go 9-0, it, it, it's really a rarity, 9-0. Nine 9-0 nothing. Nine nothing is an indication that what have you people been doing for the last 50 years? Okay. You have very conservative people that were appointed by Donald Trump in this court. 
You have very liberal people that were appointed by Barack Obama to this court and Bill Clinton to this court. You have to analyze this. Tori, you're better at this than I, but my read on this is that the liberals said, this, this is civil rights for these people, these kids, this is their civil rights. And the conservatives said, that you're denying them business opportunities. This is what America is based on, the ability to have business opportunities. Nine nothing is a big deal, right? Nine nothing is devastating. <laughs> Just, I couldn't if, really f- remember the last time they had a nine nothing ruling and i love some of the comments in the in the rulings or just this is ridiculous and the <laughs> supreme court justices not above the law right expressing amazement that the ncaa was even dumb enough to get this to that level saying if we really wanted to take you down completely yeah. we could it's as though some of the justices learned things they didn't know and realized just how completely ridiculous it is so you you have this circumstance where the ncaa and Sally's right. They're going to cease to exist. Yeah. Mark Emmert is going to be out of a job by August 1st. There's no job market for people like this because anybody can see what happened. They tried to say for a number of years, they tried to say, because we're giving you this athletic scholarship, you can't make any money. We can make money off your name because that, you know, that keeps you as an amateur, which is good for you. Billy, this is really good for you to be an amateur. Don't worry about a thing. And we're going to give you a scholarship. By the way, this is also the end of one and done. It's the end, it's yes. the end of every. It's, it, it, one and done is a farce instituted by the NBA. It has nothing to do with it. It's, it's we're going to park these kids here at your place for a year, and then we'll come get them. It's a farce, uh, one and done. So this is now... From now on, I think Bill Isaacson was involved in the first lawsuit with this with Ed O'Bannon. I think Bill Isaacson should be feeling pretty good about this because it was nine nothing. If you're a lawyer for the NCAA, you can't even charge the money. I hope you got your fee in advance because you got shut out. You got blanked. Um, Think about the essence of their case, though. And this Kavanaugh was expressing amazement. This we can't pay them because we don't. (laughs) That's right. So we can't because we don't. And meanwhile, coaches make so many millions of dollars. Commissioners make so many millions of dollars. Colleges make so many millions of dollars. The ESPN college football contract, do you think that's being shared with the players? No. It's a free labor force. Okay? I I mean, I don't want to extend the metaphor to get involved in the politics of today but it is an enslaved labor force. They're not making any money, none, zero, and they're working for people who are making money. Now, I don't favor, and I don't, colleges paying salaries to their athletes. I favor the pros doing that. If colleges want to be pros, if they want to say, you know what, we're pros too, okay. Then start negotiating contracts with players. I don't think that's going to happen immediately because I think what they're going to, I think what the NCAA, as it scrambles around to try to find a position that is not quicksand, is going to say is, well, let's just give them everything else but that and see if that works because they'll be so happy because they haven't made any right. money. Like when you were playing golf at Penn, you were barred from making any money. That's correct. Which seems unfair. I mean, you, I don't even think you could have taught golf on the side. And, and students who are in the band can teach music on the side. <laughs> students who are singers can sing on the side. Athletes could do nothing on the side. Yeah. Have you heard the John Thompson story? 
Jesse Washington has a great he, – he wrote John Thompson's. It was the authorized autobiography. And there's a great story in there. I can't remember what precipitated it, but Thompson has the guys on the court, and he has somebody bring his contract down. And I guess maybe somebody wanted to wear a different pair of sneakers or something, non-Nike sneakers. And he starts reading them from his contract with Nike. His contract. His contract. Not theirs. Not theirs. Right. And that was the point. He reads through it. He tells <laughs> them exactly how much money he was making, and they kind of don't get it. And he goes, you guys don't get it. I'm making a lot of money here. You're making nothing. <laughs> That's, it's just it's, – it's remarkably unfair that a school can sell a jersey – with a player's name on it, and the player makes no money. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm I'm not I'm not all in for negotiating salaries. I don't know how you. I honestly don't know how you do that. I don't know what you give the quarterback compared to the tight end. Right. I don't know what you give the basketball player compared to the track guy or the or the crew. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that you should be allowed to make money off your own name and likeness. But to your name, point, image, and likeness. To right? your point about the NCAA going away. They have to. Right, but is it going to be more of what California already said, we're going to allow pay. student athletes in California to get paid and to be paid for and their likeness. that's why money. people will go to California colleges yeah. for a while. But are we going to see more of that across the country in, in different states? In every in state. different sports, Michael? In, in every state, don't you think? Yes, because now you're trying to think, what is the next step going to look like before everything does crumble? Because that's what these rulings look like. Right. Oh, we, sh we could have or should have asked for more, yeah. but that's the next step that you're trying to identify. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, Brett Kavanaugh's opinion is written by a guy who has been a coach and has realized, come on, yeah. come on, I am watching coaches. I, I am not telling you that, that Nick Saban and John Calipari aren't worth this. They are worth this. They are worth 10 to 12 to 15 million dollars a year. There's no question they're worth this. But their players make no money. They make nothing. What I liked yesterday when this broke was that all the Not news, nothing. whether it was online, on TV, on the radio, it was almost with this breathless, oh my gosh, we've never reported anything like this in a long <laughs> time in a stunning 9-0. Ruling. Well, there's a reckoning where you said, what did it say about our culture that for so many years and decades we look at this saying, you student-athletes should be grateful that you're getting the education. And we all stopped right there, not realizing that that's not something that is equal in terms of what we are getting from them in terms of the vast volume of dollars. Now, this is not true for all athletes. This is true in revenue-producing sports. I mean, if you're on the crew, honestly... God bless you, but if you're on the crew, you're not bringing in a dime and nobody's going to give you more than 25 bucks because right. they don't have to. Because now this is going to create well, you're looking a at marketplace. You're, you're looking at that only in, in the, through the lens of TV and you try and think, when I'm taking that still frame of that crew team winning a regatta and that's going to push one more donor over the you know, the, they should get paid for that threshold, the, there's so many different ways that these universities But I was just are, talking about yeah. salary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you have a picture like that and you put it out there with your crew team, you better be paying them. I'm just talking about the salary part, because I think that's hard, and I think it creates a marketplace, and people are going to have to go get what they can get. But it's the end. It's the only reason to go to college to be an athlete now is if you think going to college is preparatory to going to the pros, if you believe that. But if you're good enough right now, like if you're, if, if, if you're Katie Ledecky and you used to be in Stanford, had there been pro swimming, I guess there is pro swimming. Mm -hmm. what, to what end? Right. To what end? I mean, you're the best in the world. Cash in. You know. I think especially with athletes, because the chances of getting hurt 
I've always thought that. You're 18, 19, 20 years old. You, your family are counting on making a lot of money in the pros. I would just go right away. Because you can't always go back to school. Of course. Right? If you value the degree, they don't value the degree. They're just... Some do. Most people good enough to be professional athletes understand they can get the degree down the road. Right. They value, they value their youth. Yeah. They value their time when they can be professional athletes. Do you have anything else, Nigel? Do we took up a lot of time on that. Well, I do have the bear story. Would you like to hear that? I'd yes. like to hear the bear story. I really wish you would do it through like a muzzle or something because you are incredibly loud. Sean, why is he so loud? Um, he, his level is fine here. I can try bringing him down feeding to you. Just a little bit, yeah. Okay, go ahead. It's not right, an insult. Well, I'm just saying it's you just... Like no, popping yeah, eardrums here. But bring the yes, energy. Yes, yeah, bring the energy, I guess, but not the voice. Well, Go ahead. Quiet energy is what we will bring yeah. here. Um, yes, we will quiet take storm. Thornton, New Hampshire, where police have been baffled by a series of break-ins uh, with cars around the town uh, until they were able to get their hands on some security footage where they found the culprit. And that, in fact, was a black bear. Now, Mr. Tony, I will point out that the most disturbing part of this story is the black bear was opening up the car doors and then Good. going inside the car to rummage through and get any food that it could find there. I was not aware that, that bears had the intelligence and the ability to open up car doors, but apparently they do. Um, do they so have the intelligence and the ability to start the car? Like, can they start point, the car? Can they hotwire a car? Can they do that? You know yeah, what? With I'm the not... push button ignition? Yeah. Could can they do that? Yeah. Can it's they big do old that? Paul. Yeah. I am, That's a I am giant Paul. I'm not going to rule that out. Police uh, warned residents to remove fruit from the vehicles to avoid enticing the bear. And then I, I just want to read this from the AP because I think this is this is really sketchy writing that they said. They said the good news is the criminal is unarmed and probably not dangerous. I'd contest really? that. I think it's a black bear. I think it's very dangerous. And then yes. they say this. Officials say that making loud noises is usually enough to send a black bear scampering away. I would point out the word usually there is probably not something you want to take as sound advice because sometimes you might make a loud noise and the, and the black bear would come and rip your head off. So if you see This is what I bear, think. That's the, the yeah. Tracy Morgan commercials. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> British. <laughs> no, I mean these are these are bears, right? These are bears. These are bears. They're dangerous. They're wild animals. Yeah, you don't want to yes. go anywhere near them. And that's the yes. area. You know, the main Maine's the University of Maine's nickname is the black bears. Just searching that's for right. a picnic yeah. basket. So this is this is New Hampshire, which borders Maine, does it not? Doesn't New Hampshire border does. Maine at some point? I would think so. Does. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So all right, that's it. Uh, we're good. That's the bear story. That's a good story. Not as good as the NCAAs, but it's a good story. We will take a break. <laughs> we will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tone's telling that story again. To no one's surprise, it's about a flick from way back when. Loves Butch Cassidy. Well... If Tone likes a thing, it's just the best one of those things. TK likes pop culture, we know. But he's just so stuck on things from four decades ago. Have you seen the sting? <sighs> I like Michael Clayton just fine, but come on, Tony. Still, there's one thing I know. The Godfather and its sequel have no equal. 
Whenever they come on TV, I'm watching people. That's brilliant. That's John Fitzpatrick, of course. Lovely. From Arlington. That's just brilliant. He says this jingle started out as an homage to B.J. Thomas on his passing, but just like the tribute to him on your show, it quickly veered off into the musings about films you love from back in the day and how, because you love them, they must be the greatest things ever. In that vein, this jingle is possibly the best jingle ever. By the way, Brad Weiss says this is among the best emails ever. In fact, it's the that thing you do of emails, which is to say it's awfully good, but it's no dirty dancing, which is just so wonderful. <laughs> Nigel, Very do the clever. Bethesda bagel ad, please. Bethesda bagels, we love them. You would as well. All you need to do. Yeah, is but I would have loved uh, bagel sandwiches today a little bit more than. Yes, what I got. yes, we do love okay. the bagel sandwiches. But just go to bethesdabagels.com for the location in the DC area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. Now the read just sounds sad. Yeah, we, we're going to have to change his microphone. You have to change <laughs> it. It just doesn't work. That's just about it for us today. When we get to before we get to the mailbag, let me say, my dog Sam eats purple flowers. We ain't got much, but we got. But what we got's ours. We dig snow and rain in the bright sunshine, dragging the line. That's Tommy James and the Chandels. Chandels. Not one of the most famous songs ever, but I sort of liked it. Thanks to our guest today, Brian Windhorst. And it says thanks to our guest, Tori Clark. Tori's not a guest. Tori's here. Not a guest. <laughs> Family. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, Freshly and Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Nick in Oak Park, Illinois. Here we go. On my toaster, you put the cut side of the bagel facing out, not in. That's not, not on a Revolution toaster. You don't do that. From Brad Weiss, the aforementioned Brad Weiss in Carborough, North Carolina. My understanding is you are offering to come to my house to toast bread for $300. This seems quite reasonable. I believe I can supply the bread. I'll have my people call your people. From Larry Shoemaker in Kansas City, Missouri. I know you were an English major, and your bread and butter isn't math. It's metaphor, like saying Russell Westbrook plays basketball with the fury of a thousand suns. So you deserve a pass when you said the $300 Revolution toaster is worth it because three pieces of toast a week over 10 years comes to only 10 cents per slice when it's actually almost 20 cents a slice. But at least it's a better deal than ordering toast like Jack Nicholson in the Five Easy Pieces diner scene. <laughs> love your show, love you, love your crew. P.S. Our math teachers always made us show our work. So here goes. Three slices a week times 52 weeks times 10 years times 20 cents a slice, $312. But I think you'd do more than three pieces of toast a week. That was a conservative number. Yeah, that was really conservative. From Robert Harper from Trinidad and Tobago. I reside in Trinidad and Tobago where our exchange rate is one U.S. dollar to $6.10 Trinidad and Trinidad and Tobago. So if I buy that toaster at $300 American, I'm actually paying $1,830 Trinidadian. Goodness me, that is a hot toaster. So if I keep the toaster for 10 years and I toast bread five times a week, for example, the toaster will cost me 70 cents per toast in Trinidad and Tobago money. That is a bargain. What's the code again? From Rob Lowe, not that Rob Lowe. In North Royalton, Ohio, on Friday, as you waxed poetically about Niagara Falls, the St. Louis Arch, and the cliffs at Torrey Pines, I was stunned, I repeat stunned, that you did not add in the beauty of seeing the waffle houses in Jacksonville. For me, it's pumpernickel bread, medium toast with butter. From David in Noonan, Georgia, have you tried turning the Revolution toaster sideways with something that impressive? Who knows what would happen? You might be able to watch Netflix, the Hulu, and Amazon Prime all at the same time on a device like that. From Lauren Helvey in Mustang, Oklahoma. I've never heard of that. Great name. 
Have you ever been there? Never no. heard of it. Loved so much having people in the same room again. I hope everyone is comfortable enough and it continues. Toast preference. Whole food sourdough setting for 3.5 for the smaller end pieces and 5 on the middle pieces. Kerrygold salted butter. That's it. I'm extremely intrigued by the $300 toaster, but as that's the price of three months worth of insulin pumps, which make my life a lot easier than a toaster would, I guess I'll spend the money on those instead. Maybe someday. Yes, of course. Care about your health. But I'm sure you're going to find something in your life that you've spent 300 bucks on. And you go, I don't Very know. much approve that Kerrygold choice. I don't know. Kerrygold, you like that? Yeah, yeah. Kevin Bench in Austin, Texas. On a podcast earlier in the week, you were talking about a band contributing to charity when you said, I don't tell people how to spend their money. Today, you spent the first 20 minutes telling your minions why we all need to spend $300 on a toaster. You actually used the term cost amortization, lifespan of the product, and maintain the integrity of the bread. But you don't tell people how to spend their money? I'm wondering when you're going to start pushing the Ronco egg scrambler. From Eric in Mifflinburg, there once was a man who made toast. Of its quality, he surely did boast. For 10 cents a day, you keep burn bread at bay. If only it did a steak or a roast. That's really good, isn't it? And I'll do one more. From Joshua Zenner in Jacksonville, Florida. While listening to Friday's podcast, I finally had my David Aldridge moment regarding the Revolution Toaster. I shouted out loud, I know that toaster. You see, a few months back before the NFL draft, a few people on Twitter in the Jacksonville area looked at the wedding registry for Trevor Lawrence and his bride-to-be Marissa Mowry that included the Revolution Toaster. Jacksonville Jaguars fans donated money to get this toast for them, toaster for them and in fact raised over $11,000, which Trevor has since donated to local charities. The story doesn't end there. When you said that Bruce Levinson is not in the business of sending stuff for free, this is in fact not true, as Revolution Cooking decided to gift a Revolution toaster to two of the people who helped organize the gifting of the toaster for Trevor Lawrence and Marissa Mowry. Additionally, do you think Trevor and Marissa can now use their toaster to toast waffles instead of having to go to any of Jacksonville's famous waffle houses. Thanks for the years of laughter. Keep up the good work on the show. If you're out on your bike time, everyone, as always, do wear white. But I still need a bit of milk, full fat, which I've warmed in the microwave. Back. 
for the rest of the night, say yeah.